Iowa's News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. Uh, here with senior free safety Quinn Schulte. Uh, Quinn, can you speak to the linebacker play you've seen in the last season? Yeah, linebacker play has been really good lately. And, uh, you know, especially that number 3-4, you know, he's doing a great job, you know, just getting the calls right, you know. Can reporters do this? Can I do that? You know, <laughs> just uh, putting us in the right spot, you know, to go out there and make a play. Good, 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 good. Save that. Clip that. <laughs> It's important to get reps on camera and then you go into film room and just you learn from it. So Jay Higgins is a reporter. Casein Frerichs, now a Illini football analysis for us. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks, pre-Illinois, pre-Senior Day. Having a little fun off the top there with Jay Higgins grabbing the mic uh, and talking to Quinn Schulte. Mitch Fick, Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here. Thanks to everybody for watching either the live stream on YouTube here on a Wednesday afternoon, as well as following us on Twitter, at Eye on the Hawks, or following the Iowa's News Now YouTube page and Instagram for those little digestible clips throughout the week. We're going to flip things a little bit here. We're going to start looking at the Illini before we then get into some senior day stuff and reminiscing about the uh, the Hawkeyes, the 20 of them that are going to take their maybe final run out of the tunnel. Some of them have some decisions to make, but we'll get into that. But we brought in Case for, for a reason, who is a Geneseo High School Athletics Hall of Famer oh, yeah. and a big-time Illini fan. Let's start with, with this. What were your expectations coming into 2023 for the Illini? A great season last year that just came up short of the, the West Division title, but I think you kind of expected there was going to be a bit of a roller coaster in 23. Yeah, uh, last year obviously had a pretty darn good team with a really, really good defense. That was kind of the main sort of catalyst behind that with some, you know, just kind of moderate QB play with Tommy DeVito, just kind of game control. And we had some good players along with that with like Chase Brown and everything. I thought this year maybe a step back just a tad bit. However, I some of these games this year have just kind of been all over the place. I mean, Big, Big Ten West football, I guess, sure. like every single team. Um, I kind of predicted beginning of the year, seven and five, still on pace to potentially do that. However, this team could possibly, you know, win five games or they could have possibly won 10 maybe at one point. But some of the games, at least early on in the year, uh, not so great. And then that's kind of where we're at now, just kind of fighting amongst other five other teams to maybe claim the West title still. So that's well, kind of how it's gone. One of the five West teams that is five and five and three and four. I mean, there's just a sandwich there. Someone tweeted uh, out the the blind resumes and they had the Big Ten record. Like, name the four teams, Big sure. Ten West teams I put in order and they're all the same record. It's sure. But it, it's, a, it's an interesting situation for sure. Let's take a glance at what the Illini are going to be. Of course, you got John Paddock, who's the defending Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, just went off against Indiana for 500 yards and uh, ran it in, too, for the for the game-winning score. He's not your starter, at least. That's not what Brett Bielema says. Luke Altmyer, the transfer from Ole Miss, going to start 13 touchdowns, about 1,800 passing yards, but 10 interceptions on the season. We've talked, like, every Monday, Casey, about it. Boy, Luke, if he could just not turn the ball over, and he had four against Penn State, that was a, a big outlier. But, uh, boy, he, he's he's a heck of a player if he can just protect the football. And then you got Johnny Newton, who is as good as anyone there on the uh, defensive line, not just for the Illini, but across the Big Ten. And that's what Kirk Ferentz is keeping an eye on heading into Saturday. Yeah, that's kind of like the big thing with it is Luke – Obviously going to be starting now, I guess, from what we've seen. And then you're having that nice backup in John Paddock. Um, there's a lot of Illini fans that I know wish probably John was going to be starting this the week. The numbers are given, fun. Given the numbers that he <laughs> had ask you, last what it, week. Do, do you, are you on the fence about this? Who, do you, who would you rather start on Saturday? I mean, I think just in terms of playing the hot hand right now, um, I know that even Luke last week, he was actually cleared the day before to play against Indiana, and I think probably just John Paddock had been there the entire week working with the first team. I'm sure they just kind of said, okay, instead of Luke not maybe coming in a little bit cold. But I would prefer to maybe roll with the hot hand and maybe throw in both quarterbacks here at one point, kind of maybe shake it up against a really good Iowa defense. But uh, I guess we'll kind of see what happens. Maybe there will be a short lease on uh, Luke and maybe John will. I mean, 500 yards last week, I mean, you kind of – almost feel like you have to play him in some sort of capacity. Yeah, we're not used to seeing quarterback changes for Iowa, but it, it does feel like 
they have to play both, don't they? And, they? and the guys talking yesterday said they were prepping for both Luke and John. Tommy DeVito's not walking through that door. <laughs> no. He's got bigger fish to fry <laughs> up in New York. He's walking through his mother's door because he still lives at home. Which is, hey, <laughs> yeah, really, some people, you know, maybe they're 30 and not 25 and they move home for, you know, any number of months or maybe a year. You know, there's, who are we to judge? There's 8 billion people in the yeah, world living I, their own lives. I would really be surprised to see Altmaier get a lot of reps. I have to think that with the way that Paddock played last week that he's got to be the favored guy. But um, we had Sean Bach in here in the studio earlier for the television version of Eye on the Hawks. And yeah, he said he saw a tweet today that Altmaier was, they kind of said that he was supposed to be the guy maybe getting the start. But um, I don't know. I, I'd be surprised if we see a lot of Altmaier after the kind of performance that Paddock put up last week. Bielema said he's going to be the starter. I, I feel like you got to do both. Luke moves better than John. John can move. I mean, we saw on that, that final touchdown, he, he can run a little bit, but that's kind of Altmaier's thing is that he's he's broken off some big touchdown runs. Yeah, a little bit more of maybe a dual threat in a sort of way can kind of run sort of that read option, mm-hmm. and we've needed that this year. The Illini offensive line play has not been very good. It was better last week against Indiana, of course, which they've been playing a little bit better as well. However, yeah, in terms of legs, being able to run a bit more, Altmaier gives you that, and maybe John Paddock is a little bit more of maybe that pure passer, but can still obviously run um, given kind of sort of the situation, both pretty athletic quarterbacks overall. Have you been surprised to see how bad their defense has been this year compared to how they were last year? I mean, they were like they were neck and neck with Iowa last year as like the best defense in the nation maybe, and this year they're just – 29 points a game. They're terrible. Yeah, and I, I mean, I kind of expected, obviously, a little fall off. Like, they don't have Devin Witherspoon anymore. Sidney Brown's gone, and then you kind of replace the uh, defensive coordinator there with Ryan Walters going to Purdue, obviously. So, Aaron Henry's had some things to work with, uh, or some not as much to work with, but some younger guys kind of playing. Um, the secondary last week was, when I was at the game, was just horrible, basically. Um, have to be brutally honest. Gave up a lot of yards, a lot of penalties as well with them. Um, they're really physical at the line, and they were kind of being more physical past five yards normally, and that's kind of how they play, and that's been sort of a characteristic this year is um, those secondary penalties uh, that come on. And then even earlier in the year, the, the defensive front was not playing that great, even with um, with uh, Jerzon Newton or Johnny Newton. Um, they've started to play a lot better. That's probably their their most successful part of their defense now is that, but the secondary um, can certainly be exploited at times by uh, specific teams and quarterbacks. And it is Newton and that defensive front that is playing really well right now that Kirk Ferentz was asked about on Tuesday. Our, our guys are going to have to be at their best, and he's typically into the boundary, so he'll play over both uh, both sides, left and right side. Uh, he's really got an unusual combination. He's extremely uh, physical. We're a big physical guy, but he's also really athletic, and um, it's tough to <coughs> tough to block him, tough to get in on him, and if you do, you're not going to stay there long. He's, he's just uh, he's a rare talent. You know, I'm not saying he's Simmons uh, in the bowl game that year, but you know, there probably could be some comparisons. He's, he's a guy that's uh, just a really unusual combination of size, speed, strength, and agility. Uh, so that's going to be tough. And then, yeah, Randolph's on the other side, typically to the field. Sometimes they mix that up a little bit, but they're both having two guys like that in there, and they've got a, a big uh, transfer guy playing knows who's doing a good job too. So uh, it's tough to run up in the middle against these guys. It really is. And we've saw, seen uh, what can happen when Iowa struggles throwing the football. Again, Minnesota really did a great job just swallowing everybody up and uh, ended up getting away with the win there. You heard Kirk med- mention Simmons from the bowl game. That's a bowl game from New Year's Day 2019. He's talking about the Outback Bowl against Mississippi State. Jeffrey Simmons and that <laughs> vaunted Bulldog defense that came in. I think they had two or three first-round picks. Simmons a two-time All-Pro now for the Titans. So if he's comparing him to a guy like that, uh, he's definitely going to be a dude to, to watch, especially against a, an Iowa front that uh, has given up some sacks with Deacon Hill. And boy, we've seen Deacon not have great ball security sometimes when those pass rushers are coming through. Yeah, uh, that has gotten cleaned up in a lot of these games. I mean, sure. the last game, I think Deacon took one sack through the one INT at the end of the first half. But overall, and I think the sack didn't even count. There was a penalty of defensive holding. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, I thought yeah, that too going no, through footage. On the rewatch, yeah, there was a holding. Oh, really? So defensive, defensive holding, holding. So wiped out. Yeah, yeah. wiped out. Wow. Um, I was curious to ask an Illinois fan this because, again, Sean Bach, who we had in earlier, he's also an Illinois native um, but went to Iowa afterwards, so he's tuned into the Illinois scene. Do you see Brett Bielema as the guy that is going to be around for a long time at Illinois? Is he a guy that they'll have for maybe just a couple more years, or is he, you know, we'll see him a decade there from now? Um, I guess obviously it'll kind of depend. I mean, this was supposed to be kind of that bigger year, that third year of him finally being here now, kind of what have you built 
probably hasn't gone the way he's exactly wanted it, but um, I've always liked Brett as sort of a coach, maybe because, you know, grew up in Prophetstown, which is about 20, 30 minutes away from where I grew up. Oh, and, that right? and my mom, actually, when they were younger, uh, his uncle lived next to my grandparents in Hoople, Illinois, which is a town <laughs> of like 50 people now. Um, so they actually, when they were kids, they used to play a little bit together in the huh. yard and everything. Uh, so uh, maybe I've got a little bit more of a soft side to him, but no, I, I like what Brett has done. Um, I think he fits well uh, in sort of maybe the culture that he's brought in, fits well in the Big Ten, obviously, with that sort of run first mentality um, and then kind of play off of that with the passing game. And I think obviously he He's learned some of that through the coaching ranks, uh, starting at kind of Iowa as well as a player and then as a coach and then kind of going on and having all the success at um, Wisconsin. I almost had a blank there for a second. But yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think I like him as the guy and I think he could potentially, um, if he continues kind of building, it could be maybe around for a, a long time. You know where he was born? Home, home of uh, the John Deere Classic. He was born in oh, Silva. So was I. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Oh, wow. Same hospital, same room. Same hospital, probably. It's probably a, it's <laughs> probably. a line eye hospital, right? You guys there, related? TPC Duron <laughs> actually has a uh, yeah has a delivery center there. Uh, missed the last uh, the twenty twenty one game at Kinnick uh, because he had COVID. Uh, Brett, did do you think he gets to come back to Kinnick and and come away with a win on Saturday? What's your prediction? That's the big question. Um, I will pull up one of your hot stats here real quick. <laughs> Look at this. I, I'm doing I, this. Need everybody on the stream to see this. I, I do. I had, <laughs> I had, I had notes. back in the day. This yeah, is awesome. I have notes, um, and I got this stat. You'll like this. Um, Illinois has not beat Iowa in Iowa City since 1999. That was the last time John, they beat them. John Butcher. And that's when I was born. That was John Butcher. It might. It might have been. been. I, I, that's around that time. Yeah. yeah. But Brett Bielema has. He, uh, has, yeah. yeah, I don't know if nine was the last success, one, yeah. but, um, he, he was pretty successful against Kirk. So that's what kind of, as a Hawkeye fan makes me pause. Uh, he always seems to have a few tricks up his sleeve that fourth, um, that fake pun on 2009 is going to haunt me or 2010, I should say yeah. is going to haunt me for the rest oh. of my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous about this week. Yeah, um, I'm maybe not quite as nervous, obviously, because Illinois is probably. Is, You've been is glass half empty for a lot. I've been of glass half empty. I'm ready for a basketball season. Yeah, oh, wait, it started. Uh, no, uh, I. Uh, in terms of what I'm kind of thinking, um, I think they lose. Um, I think Iowa's uh, defense is probably just going to be too good, and I think they're just really going to muddy the offense up um, quite a bit. And then, you know, obviously the defense probably matches up better against Iowa's offense than they did against Indiana. But I think the Iowa defense then matches up again, better against the Illinois offense. And I think it's going to be real close again. It might be one of those things where, you know, if, if you only get a field goal here instead of a touchdown, that might be the game. Or um, obviously uh, special teams was not great last week, and we know what Cooper can do on those punt and kick returns all the time. They're just That can be maybe the difference in this game. Uh, that is interesting that, that you bring up that their last home loss to Illinois was 1999. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that their last home loss to Minnesota as well? Yeah. That we brought that up on the pod. There was a lot. I don't of want loss. to speak it into existence. There was a lot of losing so in '99. Yes, no. <laughs> uh, so we always go by spreads, much to my chagrin. Um, p- picking this, so it's minus three right now. That, that spreads moved a little bit too uh, in Illinois' favor. So do you think Iowa can cover the three? Saying it could come down to a field yeah, goal. Yeah, I think they cover the. Okay. I think they cover the three. I think they win by more than a field goal. And you, actually, and of course you go the under, yeah. thirty and a half. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Gotta I'll go the under. Smart kid. And a half. Absolutely. <laughs> Smart kid. Smart kid. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, dude, it's been so nice to have you over here to kind of like lean on a little bit sometimes while we're recording. You're always off camera. Uh, fun to bring you on camera, though. This is, uh, you You were a sports guy way back in, in the college days. Not way back, like yeah. 30 months ago. Did some sports broadcasting <laughs> stuff. Division one athlete, right? Yeah, division one athlete. I was a horrible athlete. <laughs> yeah, don't go look up the stats or anything like that. Kid ran that. the 800. Like, it's the toughest yeah, thing you can run. No, but did a lot of, obviously was a division one athlete and then a lot of play-by-play stuff in college along with some ESPN broadcasts for uh, Western Illinois football, which is uh, a whole other story. <laughs> you want to talk about the weather <laughs> next at all? I don't, Wait, we should a, actually talk about that game because uh, Nick Stewart tweeted out, uh, I think this past it's a week, sickos it was game, zero. Yeah. Was this this week or last week? It was 0-9 versus 0-9, the two worst uh, offenses in the country. It was wow. 0-9, yeah, versus 0-9, Indiana State versus Western. I think they lost like 27-6 to to Indiana State. Oh, there. man, the Sycamores. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, they, they haven't won a game in two years. They haven't sick, won a game in two Sycamore years. Sycamore should be sponsored by the Sickos Committee. 
the sicko more. True. Yeah. Anyway. Boy, print those, print those shirts. Does Raygun have establishments in uh, in Indiana? Like, with that. Well, I appreciate you swinging by and, and doing all this. And no problem. Maybe we'll bring you back from bowl analysis if I, if Illinois does make a bowl game. Let's hope so. There you go. They're going to need a, a win either this week or next week. So we're going to take a break and we'll start getting into that senior day stuff right after this. All right, we are back. Uh, Sands, Case, and Frerichs now. Thanks again to Case for swinging by and now stepping. 15 feet away into the weather center to do his real job. Uh, we have breaking news. Uh, Cooper DeGene was just named a Nagurski finalist. So congrats to Cooper uh, doing a little bit of everything. Uh, Phil Parker was named a Broyles candidate today. The fact that Phil Parker hasn't won the award for best assistant in college football before is <laughs> mind-boggling. It's, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, we might go through the courts for it. It's, uh, it's, it's quite, the, uh, quite the situation. Does it, how, sure. how many finalists are there for the uh, Nagurski? For the Nagurski, I would imagine that three. three. That's usually the, the okay. go-to. Uh, forgive me. Uh, surprisingly, I can't remember all of these awards, which it seems like there's a million of them right now. Is the Nagurski, is that for best defensive back or defensive player? Defensive player. Thorpe goes to defensive Thorpe back. Defensive back. And he's a semifinalist for the Thorpe. Okay. Uh, Joe Evans is a finalist for the Bullsworth, which is the – Best player that started as a walk-on. He sounded like immensely touched to be considering that. Uh, mm. Talking to him yesterday, and there's a couple other finalists out there. But it is senior day coming up on Saturday against the Illini. Let's get a list of uh, the most notable seniors on this roster, and this is basically all of them more or less. You won't see uh, Cade McNamara on there just because he's already said he's he's coming back. But you got Eric Hall, Sebastian Castro, Nick DeYoung, Joe Evans, Rusty Feth, Kyler Fisher, Jay Higgins, J- Nick Jackson, Hayden Large, Logan Lee, Deshaun Park. No, Nico Ragaini, Quinn Schulte, Noah Shannon, who will be part of Senior Day and will be able to come out of the tunnel, which is that roar is going to be something special. Steven Stilianos and Tori Taylor. Uh, first of all, what a, a senior class that has seen uh, a lot. They've been a class that would have been freshman and redshirt freshman for the COVID season. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how their college career started with that. And now they've been a part of what could be Two West Division titles, and they've uh, they've certainly seen quite a bit. This is a, a class that, again, some of them have decisions. I think Eric All still has another year. Sebastian Castro has another year. Higgins might. Um, Tory said he's gone to the league, but there's a few. I was going to say, I actually was just going through that whole list of all this yeah. year's seniors to see who could return versus who will definitely be gone. So if we want to go through some of those, Tory, he could come back, but he's already kind of announced that he he's, said he's, gone, he's yeah. done. He's 26 uh, years old. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Jackson is done. He played his, his time at Virginia, and so this was his last run. Cade McNamara, he said he's going to be back. Joe Evans, he's going to be gone. Um, Sebastian Castro could return. Yep. Uh, Quinn Schulte could return. I don't know if you got an inside scoop there. What's Quinn's deal? I know he's, he's, gra- he's probably I know he's graduated. Back. He's already oh, really? graduated, so I think he graduated in the spring, maybe. He's a uh, smart kid. Good kid. Comes from a good family. Jay Higgins could come back. Um, Kyler Fisher could come back. Nick DeYoung could come back. Rusty Feth is gone. He played his time out at Miami, so this is his last go-around. Uh, Dejon Parker, he could come if he wants to. Um, Eric All, so... He played three games in 22 at Michigan, so I think that could be a medical redshirt. Because I don't think he redshirted at all at Michigan. Uh, does this year count as a medical redshirt for him? No, because he played more than four games. So here's what I was trying to count up with Eric All. So he played, he appeared in 11 games in 2019 for them. 19, 20, 21, 22, he only plays three. So 2020 obviously doesn't count. So 19, 21, and then 23, so this year counts. So he could come back for one more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's my thought. He's, I haven't seen him. Cade's been with the team since surgery. Uh, Luke Lachey, is, Luke Lachey uh, has been with the team. I haven't seen Eric the last couple weeks. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if he's I haven't either. off-site with surgery and whatnot or, or where he's recovering. But, yeah, I, um, as far as I can tell, he's, he's got a chance to come back. If, if we want to go through the rest of them, uh, Logan Lee could come back. Mm-hmm. But he seemed like he – wasn't I don't know based on the conversation we had with him yesterday. I'm guessing like he just wanted. Well, they've got their own house now. He and his wife, don't they? <laughs> they were they were living with a yeah. bunch of roommates there for a while. I'm like he's he's married and maybe uh, to the next step. Steven Stilianos, he's gone. Uh, he played out his time at Lafayette. Hayden Large could come back. Nico Rigaini, he's done. Uh, Marshall Meter is the senior name that maybe we don't know. He uh, came in from Central Michigan. He's the backup kicker. Yep, yeah. he he could come back if he wanted to. Uh, Chris Reams could come back. And then Noah Shane is the last one, of course, he's done after now. Yep. Well, let's start with Tory because there's probably an argument that he is the biggest name on that list, and certainly that's a, a very Iowa football thing of 
the punter being the biggest name. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But of course, a guy who came from half a world away and, and took a huge leap into a sport he really hadn't played a whole lot to come to Iowa City. And he talked about just the, the fear of the leap and what he has learned in stepping out of his comfort zone. You know, people really only see what, what goes on for three and a half hours on a Saturday. But, um, yeah, there's certainly been their challenges along the way. Like, from a personal point of view, it was really difficult probably the first, I guess, two years that I was here because I didn't have any family or anything like that. But I really just kind of relied on relationships, um, relationships whether it was um, players or, or coaches and things like that. And, yeah, like I've said a few times today, I'm just really grateful for everyone um, just getting around me since I got here. But I've just learned that, you know, good things happen to those that are kind of willing to get out of their comfort zone and, and take risks and take chances. And that's kind of one thing I always say to other people, you know, don't don't just stay in your comfort zone your whole life. Just try and get out there and do things that are a little bit uncomfortable because that's really the only way you're going to grow as a person. Well, we're going to bring the podcast to a screeching halt for a minute because Iowa's comfort zone has just been significantly uh, shrunk according to David Eicholt, a uh, two-time Eye on the Hawks guest, and uh, certainly knows a lot about what's going on in the program. As of 1.20, so seven minutes ago, and there were a lot of rumors out uh, online over the last hour or so. David, I can confirm that Iowa star cornerback punt returner Krupa DeGene has sustained an injury during practice, will likely miss the remainder of the regular season. Mm. Status unclear about potential bowl game. He also notes this has not been made official by Kirk Ferentz or Iowa, but again, David, more often than not, knows what's going on. Um, we saw what happened when Cooper was out against Nebraska last year when the Big Ten title was on the line. This is uh, about as seismic and significant as, ironically enough, maybe losing Tory Taylor, a guy who has such impact on field position, but we have seen time and again what Cooper's meant to lock down a side of the field, what his ability in the special teams game has done, as long as he's not doing this with his left arm. This is, let's get your instance reactions. This is uh, as big an injury as, as there could be probably right now. And in a season where there have been so many injuries, yeah. it's always been, boy, hopefully not Cooper. Yeah, I don't Absolute know. gut punch, especially when, is it Isaiah Williams, their big receiver at Illinois? You figured he was going to be covering him a lot. Um, the good news is, I guess, Deshaun Lee got some early season Lee, action. T.J. Hall, who went in for him last year. I think Devin Hilson is... Uh, is was Lee still out, though, last week? Or not Lee, sorry, um, T.J. Hall. T.J. Hall might be. Um, I mean, but that's the good news, is you yeah. have guys that, that have reps. Jamari becomes your number one guy, but uh, I don't know if Caden Weijin goes back for, for punt returns, something like that. You got to think, but, uh, I mean, that's a huge... That's it's a as big huge a impact as, as there could be. In yeah. the punt return game, Cooper is... I don't want to say aggressive because he's excellent at what he does, but he he will go and after a bounce, catch a ball, prevent it from rolling 10 yards. That is huge for this Iowa offense. I asked him about the spin move that he pulled. I think this was a couple weeks ago. I was like, do you practice that? He's like, no, nah, I just kind of do it. <laughs> so just like he has the force or something. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. – uh, I don't know where – I mean, you have to think that the de- – as much as that's going to make an impact on defense and special teams um, – I mean, even on punt team, I mean, he's the guy that's usually the first one down there to down the ball. That yeah, Tory, we, we've Tory got Tory Taylor video we were about to roll, and the first shot is that one against Minnesota where it's just kind of picture perfect, like gets it right at the one and runs it out. And so yeah, him, him and Luke Elkin are probably as, as important as anybody on that punt return team or the, uh, the punt coverage team, I should say. T.J. Hall, a big part of that. Hilson's yeah. a big part, too. It's hard to say where, that, where his presence is going to be missed the most because he's, he is such a big part of both the special teams and the defense. But, yeah, that, that hurts for, uh, for, for the defense, I think, especially. Um, and, I, I mean, if there's, a, if there's a bright side compared to last year's game against Nebraska where he went out with an injury, at least this time around, Iowa has a chance to um, prepare for you know the next couple of days w- without him to know at least what they can what they're going to be facing um, with him not on the field. Yeah, it's just tough with you know this Illinois team, and I, I don't know the exact stats, but this the past few weeks their passing attack has been you know a different level. Obviously, they haven't played defense like Iowa's, but now you're arguably missing you know one of the top, if not the best player on the defense. It, I mean, I I definitely gone back and forth wondering about what Cooper's future plans would be. I mean, obviously he can be an NFL draft pick, a high NFL draft pick after this season. Um, and so it was, I was eager to see, you know, potentially what could be his last game. Um, 
uh, at Kinnick Stadium this Saturday. And so I wonder if this would affect his future plans or if he just, you know, still say, I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and leave. But he's a guy that's pretty loyal to the Hawkeyes. And so it, it wouldn't shock me either if he decided to return. But there were a lot of comments in the, again, the Nagurski trophy finalist post from Hawkeye football was 31 minutes ago. And there were so many comments in there just like bad timing like what are you doing and this was before the rumors were just out there and then uh like we said in the last 10 minutes or so uh ike holt confirming again hasn't been confirmed by the team might not be confirmable kirk's got his uh his radio show tonight so Mm. tune into that streaming on uh, the iowa hawkeyes youtube channel not to cross plug anything but that's uh where you might get some answers there otherwise we'll wait until 12 30 on saturday when the injury report comes out but that's uh Cryptic tech, uh, the tweet, sorry to interrupt, but from Chad Lysico, he doesn't say this, but he says Deshaun Lee's experience gain in weeks one and two come could come in handy this week against Illinois. He tweeted that 25 minutes ago. Mm. So I think it might be something. Yeah, he just said a year ago, again from Chad, Iowa couldn't overcome a Cooper Jean injury to clinch the Big Ten West at home. Another chance to have a oh, backup. I missed that one. Yeah. Um, um, I was curious to look back here at the depth chart that they released earlier this week. Um, Cooper's backup, yeah, was Deshaun Lee when they released that. So Hey. We, Got it. we praised his tail off those first couple weeks filling in for Jamari. So um, tell you what, there was a, a Michigan prep who was the honorary captain on Saturday who kind of got thrown in the mix back in, I believe it was 2014, and never gave up a starting spot. Um, not that Deshaun would t- take a spot over Cooper if Cooper's <laughs> healthy and, and comes back in 24. But, boy, Desmond King, uh, another guy from, from a Detroit school, uh, came in and, and did a heck of a job, and Sean Lee, I believe, repping for Belleville, uh, might be able to do the same. And hey, every, every rep is going to help. So that's next man in. Yeah. So hey, we, we got the break news on a on a podcast. What a what a special fun moment for everyone getting to do that. We will uh, we'll, we'll keep moving on. We'll turn back to senior day and try to put a little shine on everything as we move forward here uh, a half hour in. Uh, let's show the Tory Taylor highlights because we need some good vibes here. Uh, I wanted to ask both of you, since he got on campus in 2020, has there been a more important player for this team, considering what they've been going on through on offense to be able to handle and move forward and, and have success? Has there been a more important player than Tory Taylor because of what he does with field position? Um. I mean, that Wisconsin game, you were there, yeah. and he just, they don't win that game without him. He yeah. was incredible. That Wisconsin game, I, I like to bring up that that's the most incredible stat maybe that I've ever heard is I won that game without running a single play in Wisconsin territory. Um, and <laughs> Tori had a lot DJ to do with Holland, that. Uh, Devin Hilson there on, yeah. on punt coverage right there. Um, I, I got to th- you know, I'm trying to think of anybody that would counter that argument, but I have to think just in terms of guys who have been around for that entire time. Because you could, you know, maybe point to a guy like Jack Campbell or something that was such yeah. a big part of the defense. But in terms of people that have been around for the last four years and have been a part of every single game, Tory has to be the, the biggest impact on this team over the last four seasons. I can't think of another one. I mean, I think if, if you're thinking um, most impactful from a positive way, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to go in the negative way, but uh, generally quarterback is the most important position. Um, just I, I, I would have to go with Tory, I guess. Yeah. But what does that say about you know? What does that say about the Iowa? <laughs> the, the other one somebody could Jack say. Jack Campbell is, is a good guess. What's that? Jack Campbell is a good good name out there. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Cooper even is one that you could yeah. point to as a guy who's really made a difference uh, again, both on special teams and on defense over the last two seasons. Yeah, I mean he's been right there, and and uh, all the best to Cooper. I think this is the first week in a while that we hadn't had him at uh, at. Press availability answers. I just assumed that was because you just wanted all seniors out there, which makes sense. Uh, I think Deacon was the only non-senior that was part of the group yesterday. But, uh, boy, all the best to Cooper, of course, getting banged up during the Nebraska game last year. And now sounds like going to be out for Illinois, Nebraska. And um, I would imagine maybe... The, the Big Ten title game, if that's still on the plate as well. So so all the best to Cooper. We'll turn uh, then from a Nagurski finalist and, and what a great player he's been to a guy who has just personified kind of what Iowa's supposed to be about, of a dude who walks onto the team, plays a position he's never played before and ends up as a team captain and 
a stalwart on the defensive line and, and an all Big Ten performer in Joe Evans. He is great now, and he'll play his final game at Kinnick on Saturday. Uh, Scott Docterman with the Athletic Aston Ferney. Welcome to Iowa Moments as a freshman uh, way back when. And Joe, who's always fun to talk to, brought some stories. I uh, remember just down over in the Sindor over here, um, like my, I was on scout team and they had me in like man coverage on TJ Hawkinson. I'm like, all right, like <laughs> I'll give it a go. And I'm like, you know, getting my stance and I just held him for like 20 yards. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what else you want me to do. Cause if I didn't hold him, he was, I mean, 15 yards of separation. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember him just, like, looking at me laughing. He's like, hey, just, like, don't do that again. And I'm like, all right, sounds good. I won't. But um, my next moment was with Wirfs. Um, and I remember over here we're doing, like, a team third down period. And I go out there. I hit just a clean wipe, right? Wipe his arms down. I'm like, usually that. If you hit a wipe that clean, you usually get around the guy. And he is mid-pass set. And he is talking to me, that's a great move, and resets me. And I'm like, I've never had that happen to me ever <laughs> till this day. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's time to hang the cleats up, you know? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. But, I mean, just those guys are all pro players. You've come a long way, Joe Evans. And uh, we've talked a bit this year about just his impact over the last few years. He has so many sacks and it started with that 2019 season his redshirt freshman year I remember he had a couple plays against uh, Minnesota when Minnesota came in undefeated and um, really made his presence felt and he's just continued to do that and uh, again a, a unit on the defensive side that hasn't had those massive turnover numbers and hasn't had the sack numbers and, and Jay Neiman the assistant D-line coach and defensive recruiting coordinator was the was the assistant we got to talk to today and we'll have something on his opinion on Joe uh, coming up on the TV side of Eye on the Hawks later this week. But uh, Jay was asked about YA Black and, and his impact. And I think any of us who have watched games this year, like, are why, does YA have just wild numbers? No. But can you watch an Iowa football game and know that YA Black is having a massive impact? Like, absolutely. That's kind of how he, uh, uh, he described YA. And I think that's how you can kind of describe Joe Evans this season and really this, this Hawkeye defense at large, you know, they don't have the, the ball hawk numbers and they don't have, you know, I don't think they're going to have anybody that has like a 10 sack season or eight or nine sack season, but boy, how many times when we have footage of uh, an opposing quarterback dropping back that you see Joe Evans on him mm -hmm. in, in one way or another, pressuring him, uh, pestering him, doing whatever, uh, just, and again, this, this kid holds uh, records at Ames High School for quarterback play. And he was a linebacker, too, on the other side. He had never played D-line before he came to Iowa. And he is, uh, listen, I love, I love talking to Jay Higgins and a lot of those other guys. He is such a fun conversation. Maybe yep. it's because he's about our age. But, <laughs> but Joe Evans has just been, uh, I mean, you ask anybody about, anybody about him on that yeah. staff or the players, and they just they, they praise the heck out of him. Comes from good stock. His parents, yeah. have, uh, from his dad, who's a principal in, uh, at Prairie, and his mom, who's a teacher as well. I mean, only ever hear great things about them. Um, and I, I was asking Sean Bach about this today, too. Do you guys think that Joe has the potential to get drafted? I mean, is he a UFA guy? I asked, uh, I asked Jay about that, or I didn't ask. I just kind of said at the end what's, you know, at the end of my question of what, what is, have you seen from him to go to, from a, a walk-on, playing a position he never had, to a guy who I think he'll be in an NFL camp at, at some point or yeah. another, and I yeah. phrased it like that. So and, and Jay was like, yep, that's our hope too, and, yeah. you know, we, we think he can do it. Maybe he's a late-round selection, but I, I don't think there's any doubt that come July and August of 2024, Joe Evans is going to be in a camp. Can uh -huh. for a I'm in that camp. I think I, I, you know, without being without looking at a mock draft, I, 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 I would doubt he gets drafted. But um, I think he could probably make his way in as an undrafted guy. I, I just think NFL people just look at size and yeah. and um, you know, they they look for player. They look for like a architect, not what they do. You know what I mean? And not like a, a drive. Yeah, I wonder. 
just since it happened with Parker Hesse, I just wonder this with every a little bit undersized. <laughs> he goes H back. Uh, yeah, like if they move, I him would over love to, to see Joe Evans <laughs> as an H back. Can he catch? I guess <laughs> he played quarterback, but yeah, you don't catch. You know, throw. I don't know. I don't know what Parker Hesse played in high school. I guess if he was a QB or if he was a tight end. I feel like Car- I feel like Parker was a quarterback. Really? I feel like all these. And again, Iowa just brings in quarterbacks and puts them wherever. <laughs> um, I, I have this weird feeling that Parker might have been a quarterback at Wakan, but I'm yeah. not 100% sure there. But yeah, I don't know. I could see that maybe happening with Joe where they where they decided to move him across the ball and I mean just just based on him being a hard worker, a guy who knows the game so well and who's um, such a good teammate, it seems like that he could play his way onto a roster either on off a defense or maybe maybe offense. Yeah, this says uh, his official bio on the Atlanta Falcons roster because again, Parker Hesse still in the league, played quarterback, running back, wide receiver and defensive end for Wakan. Also led it in basketball, baseball, and track. There you go. So, yeah, just uh, <laughs> another Iowa athlete plays four <laughs> sports and just plug him in wherever he is needed most. But, boy, uh, uh, that's a guy who I, I think he was talking about, he said in the scrum yesterday, was going to try and hold off emotion until after game. I, I have a feeling Joe's going to be one of those guys that you see you see the emotion on his face. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is just transformed uh, during his time at Iowa and the program, thanks to him, is has also been able to, to raise their game as well. We saw Spencer Petrus run out of the tunnel one last time as a player at Kinnick back during that Nebraska game last season. Another guy who got hurt during that game and missed the rest of uh, his playing days in Iowa City. He's been an assistant coach or a grad assistant this year as he's uh, rested up his shoulder and got healthy. The announcement came out uh, late last week or maybe it was earlier this week I'm losing track of time that he's in the transfer portal uh, he'll go play somewhere else next year in 2024 so the full end of the Spencer Petrus era in Iowa City Nico Ragani has been a longtime roommate of his they are best of friends and I asked Nico just about what he has seen from Spencer since Black Friday last year and everything he's dealt with with new faces coming in and now getting ready to to turn the page and go to the next chapter. He's stayed really positive through it all. Like, I mean, imagine playing your, like imagine you thinking it's your senior night and then you like tear your shoulder up and never get to play another game and connect again. Like that's a horrible thing to happen. Then for other quarterbacks to come in here, like take the reins from you and for you to still be positive and be a leader and help people out. I think that's like, that shows like so much of what a person Spencer is, you know, like that's not easy to do. And he did it head on. He's one of the best persons I know and I'm sure he'll be great wherever he goes. Also Spencer's birthday tomorrow, according to Nico. So uh, happy <laughs> early birthday, Spencer Petrus. Listen, there have probably been few players, maybe not any other player who has taken more crap from the public over the last long as I've been covering Hawkeye Adam Shada would like a word. Adam Shada took a lot of crap too. Um, I think Adam Shada got booed during his senior day, which is freaking. I wasn't there. Didn't Spencer get booed last year? No, Spencer had an awesome ovation. Oh, really? Well, one that's of, good. One of the best moments I I've, I've had covering a Hawkeye football was hearing the ovation that Spencer Peters got. And then again, he goes out and gets hurt and is out for 10 months. Uh, I have yet to hear a bad word from anybody who actually knows Spencer Petrus about Spencer Petrus. And it has been, this was such an awesome moment too. I think you got this uh, during the bowl game. He just told that one right there, you know, hey, you just got to roll with the punches, don't you? I mean, just, you heard Nico say it too. He's been so positive. He's going to go, I don't know where he'll go if he he heads back west. He's a NorCal kid. Uh, If he's going to go play closer to home. Mm. I hope Spencer Petrus goes and tears the heck up at wherever he goes. That kid more than deserves it. He's such an important part of this team in an immense amount of success that they had as he started and grew and were the numbers there no but we just talked about hey the Iowa defensive numbers aren't there in 2023 would you say they're a bad defense and he that guy represented the university as about as well as you could want uh and all all the best to Spencer Petrus in in his next step uh any predictions on a place where this guy could end up. Do you think that he lands, you know, maybe just as a backup on a Power 5 team? Does he go to a Group of 5 school? He was an Oregon SCS? State commit originally. I think it's oh, really? A, I think it's a different, different coach staff. I, yeah. I would doubt Power 5 just because I feel like he probably wants to play. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, and it's kind of, 
situation is kind of a bummer too because I mean obviously the the fan base and and the offense was not great last year but it wasn't just him it was there was a lot of things going into that the offensive line was one, probably one of the worst in the past you know 15 years at Iowa at least um, a lot of receivers even even the scholarship ones like didn't play every game you know Keegan Johnson played like what two games last year and then he transferred and it just was not a great situation for any quarterback. So like, I feel bad for the, for him. Hopefully he goes to somewhere if it's a group of five or a lower division and yeah, just I've, lights it up. A couple of places I wonder about, I mean, like a place like you and I, I don't know if he'd actually wind up at you and I, um, just with the Iowa connections or if he goes to a place like Sacramento state for some reason, uh, jumps off the tape just because again, a Northern California school, um, they're a really great FCS program, um, sure. so maybe he'd head, up, head over there, um, try to put some tape together, and uh, get a chance at maybe sticking on a professional roster. Somewhere. There's a, there's a couple really good D two programs out there too. I wonder if he'd want to go to somewhere like that. There's and I, I'm forgetting the name of the actual school. There's a former Iowa grad assistant who I believe is now the OC at a smaller school out in California. I believe it's FCS or D two, hmm. but I wonder if like maybe there's a connection there. And obviously, I don't know the connection that well because I can't remember. <laughs> um, but that popped out to me, like, okay, like there's somebody out there and, and um, running an offense, maybe that. But hey, like, like I said, and like I think everybody has said, man, go go tear it up seven. You you deserve it, and uh, I think everybody will be should be super super happy if they hear through the grapevine or see on social media at, at this time next year. Hey, Spencer Beatrice is healthy and he's and he's having having a great year. He's he's earned it. We turn, though, to the current starting quarterback in Deacon Hill, who uh, said after the Lou Rodgers win just how important Spencer's been to him and his growth. Uh, we also heard uh, Kirk say, well, you can't microwave growth and experience. It just kind of has to happen. Uh, apparently, Deacon watches postgame pressers, too, because I asked him about getting experience and knowing that it takes some patience. And, well, he helped Kirk quote with me. You want to grow fast, but... Things take patience. Kirk yeah. even said in the post game, you know, you don't microwave. microwave. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you watch. Um, just how do you balance that? Of just you know, it's a process. You know, the rock doesn't break on the first swing. Yeah, I think it's understanding that I have to grow fast, but at the same time, you know, don't press, don't try and force things. Like you can't force experience. So I think the biggest thing is just trying to, you know, when the experiences come, you know, take it and run. But until those experiences come, you know, don't try and do anything special. Deacon is 30 of 46 his last couple games, so he's completing more than 65% of his passes. He threw the pick against Northwestern, going the deep route to Nico, just uh, a bit of an overthrow, really nice play by the DB too, uh, and then threw the pick at the end of the first half against Rutgers on a drive where he looked really, really solid. Uh, but boy, we've, we've seen the growth, and yeah, it's, it's uh, more of a crock pot than a microwave. You just kind of got to put the kid in and, and let him stew around and... Uh, let him get the experience how it comes. But boy, again, it's going back to that really that last drive at Wrigley against Northwestern where he makes this throw, which is still probably his best throw of the season to a 81-clad Caleb Brown. He's looked pretty darn good, all things considered, from where he started to where he is now. Um, he's going to have to go up against a, an Illini defense that, again, is going to have a good pass rush, and, and they got guys that can get the quarterback, and we've seen his his struggles with ball security sometimes in the pocket and giving up fumbles. But uh, what have you guys liked about what you've seen from Deacon here the last two games, specifically really the last five quarters where the the accuracy has been there, the yeah. completion percentage has been there. Uh, we've seen the turnover against Rutgers, and again, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, Seth slipped a little bit, didn't help, but he's he's made some really nice throws, and he's really le leaned on. Addison, who had eight catches for 47 yards. He's leaned on Nico again. Nico's going to keep stepping up. Sounds like Deontay Vines will probably miss Rutgers as well, or uh, Illinois as well, along with Bo Stevens. But uh, what have you guys seen from, from Deke in these last couple of games? It's it's the accuracy for me that's mm -hmm. that's encouraged me so much, just because those first couple of games, I mean, it was just like one overthrow after another. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything was just going, you know, five, ten yards past the intended receiver. And we saw that a little bit on the opening drive. I mean, he, oh, man. He had Nika. That, Nika was running right far, yeah. right at me, and he, it would just been like the perfect like 
camera shot as the ball's coming in and drop it in and I would have had a great shot of it and so I was like oh please catch this Nico um, so there was there's still some overthrows but um, overall I think that's seems to have gotten cleaned up and um, his accuracy I think as long as that is that remains steady I think that he's a a pretty strong quarterback for Iowa. Yeah, the accuracy has gotten better. The decision making out of that last that other that pick on against Rutgers, pick against Northwestern. Um, so you're encouraged that it was the accuracy was not great at the start, but now it's getting better. Still has room to grow, like you said. What I'd like to see is just the offensive scheme like help them out a bit with the which they did last week with those shorter throws. And if this is a D line that's going to get up get pressure getting the ball to your playmakers and Caleb Brown looked like one of the best, if not the best you know, playmakers that Iowa has so far. I mean, just in that small sample size that we saw from him. So get it to him, get it to Nico, let him, let him cook out there on a secondary that, you know, gave up 48 points to yeah. Indiana, actually defense um, and not try and just bully this line ID line. I think that's what Brett's probably hoping they do because yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's their strength. The, the biggest thing that is going to be important for Iowa now that we we haven't heard from the university, but if we all can just assume that Cooper's not going to be there on Saturday, the offense needs to help in keeping the defense off of the field. I mean, there have been so many games where the defense has had to run so many plays and they just like can't get off the field. There's just one three and out after another for Iowa. And so as long as they can put some drives together and keep Illinois' offense off of the field, that's going to be their biggest key to success on Saturday. Jay even said, talking to him yesterday, I think they were only out there the Iowa defense for 40 plays against Rutgers and I and he brought up you know hey like I, I feel great and I go can you tell the difference between like this Tuesday and another Tuesday where we talk to you and like did your body feel better he's like oh yeah my body feels great which again uh they're they're gonna need everybody on that on that defense now to to step up for Cooper um somebody just tweeted out this uh it was Blake Hornstein um our pal over at Hawkeye headquarters pointed out this feels a lot like when they lost Sam Laporta at the end of last year. People forget about that, you know, losing Cooper in-game. Sam Laporta and Monty Potabaum were both out for that Nebraska game. And, mm-hmm. boy, we, we saw again in the Music City Bowl how important Sam Laporta is when you get him in the get the ball in his hands, no matter who's throwing it to him and no matter where he is on the field because he'll touch a Mario star and just start plowing through Kentucky defenders if you get him the ball. So, uh, yeah, another one of those – Another one of those injuries you're just going to have to overcome. We'll uh, see how that impacts our picks, the Cooper injury, and uh, go through the rest of the Big Ten slate uh, right after this word. By the way, we talked about Kirk Ferentz and maybe being Big Ten Coach of the Year if they win the West and go 10-2 and two, despite all these injuries. Yeah, just add Cooper Jean to the... Hmm. <laughs> it's just crazy the amount of impact. Luke Lachey, players. Eric Gall, Cooper DeGene, all three of those running backs have been banged up at some point or another. The offensive line's been banged up. Stilianos has missed time. Well, Strang- so the second game, Vines is out. You're starting Vines receiver. Vines is right? out. They might win 10 games. <laughs> like, that's... You could sim dynasty mode on NCAA football, and that <laughs> would be like, no, you're not winning a bowl game. I really hope he didn't get injured practicing on the offense. Boy. That would be... If that did happen, folks, remember, you wanted it. Um, we have no idea if that happened though, so sorry yeah, for yelling. I, yeah, just <laughs> don't yell at me. I'm making up scenarios in my head of like the worst possible because that's what I do. You know, people have inner monologues too, yeah. Mike, where they just don't say anything. <laughs> you haven't been frozen for 30 years like Austin Powers. You still have an inner monologue. That's a deep cut that nobody's going to understand. Let's look at our picks for this week, shall we? Uh, I'm 24, 35, and two. Really, <laughs> really hanging my hat on those two. I like how we all have tied the same the same games. It was all the pushes. Yeah, which hey, well, I guess that makes sense though. But, that's what I'll hang on to, is that when we're on, we're even. Other than that, Mike's 12 games up on me. Mike leading the way at 30 and 29. Owen, I joke that from 500. I probably do the least amount of research, too, just because when I do oh, research, cool. I lose you. all the bets that well, I make. That's great. I know, man. Thanks, Mike. The amount of research, you, you are watching the amount of research that I do because I'm going, <laughs> what's Maryland? Who's on their the roster? The click and clack yeah. you hear yeah. if you're only on the audio <laughs> side is Owen looking up every team in the Big Ten every time around this time on the pod. All right, we'll start with the 11 a.m. kicks with Michigan, number three in the new CFP. They are a 19-and-a-half-point favorite against a Maryland team that, boy, we had high hopes for you, Terps, and then now it's this is your last chance to really uh, make a statement in the Big Ten East and maybe have some sort of impact on things. Again, Jim Harbaugh still uh, suspended for the rest of the regular season. Still alive, too, by the way. Hmm? He's still alive. 
Yeah, despite what you saw in postgame <laughs> from, uh, from Coach Brown. Listen, I don't want to diminish anybody's emotional reactions given stress and everything going on, but yeah, this was, this was not... <laughs> a little over the top. You know, I uh, think that yeah. passion, though, it sounds silly, is what gets these kids going. That's a Michigan versus everybody like, thing, yeah, too. Yeah, and, then you, and then you hear the, the backlash against, like, oh, why is he crying? Like, he's not, like, okay, like, just you keep circling it, the wagons. Yeah, it reminds sure. me of Georgia last year after they won the national title. They're like, no one thought we could do this. It's like, dude, everyone, everyone thought you, everyone could, do thought it. you <laughs> could do this. Travis like, what Kelsey did the same thing after the Super Bowl. Nobody believed in us. Yeah. <laughs> These guys get about? brainwashed, like every football locker room. I mean, Iowa included. Listen, Travis Kelsey's mindset and approach to life is paying a lot of dividends lately, so let's just maybe be a little more like Travis Kelsey and have a chip on your shoulder and shoot shots and, and see what the universe is. That cold is. emotion, though, that's why I'm taking Michigan in the points. Okay. Even the, a lot of the folks on ESPN, the, the loudmouths who I don't often agree with, they're like, How do you really feel? Michigan, like— you're playing the victim here. Are you kidding me? Like, Have you're you s- coming out here saying you're America's team and everybody should feel sorry for you? Like, no. Having said that, Michigan will... That does need to move away from the Cowboys, though. Let's, let's be honest. A lot, of, a lot of Michigan fans, who want, I know this is Twitter, but they want Michigan to leave the Big Ten. It's like, are you guys... They're like, Big Ten needs Michigan more than... I'm like... For the SEC yeah, or what? I don't know. Be independent, I guess. That oh, Lord, doesn't make any sense Michigan. to me, but these are just Twitter eggs and... <laughs> or not eggs, Twitter M's. X-eggs. Yeah, whoa. Uh, lowercase X's. Michigan to the points. We'll move on. Another 11 a.m. kick. Rutgers, a 20-and-a-half-point dog at Penn State. We saw a really good Rutgers defense uh, struggle against Iowa. Can they keep it within three touchdowns in Happy Valley against the Penn State team, who th- the only fault they really have is they play in the Big Ten East. Uh, something gives me a funny feeling about Rutgers this week. Um, after getting shut out, I feel like they might come back with something to prove. Penn State, this feels a little bit like, um, you know how good teams often play bad in bowl games because they're not in the bowl game that they wanted to Mm -hmm. be in. It feels a little bit like maybe Penn State right now where they now know that they can't get to the Big Ten title game and they haven't accomplished what maybe they set out to do this season, so they're playing a little bit under uh, under what they're capable of. I, I, I wouldn't doubt that Penn State could still win, but I do like Rutgers to possibly cover those points. I'm taking Rutgers in the points too. I I agree with that a little bit. Just all the all the I wouldn't say all the um all the goals they have. I mean, it's to win the Big Ten. Can't do that now yeah. unless both well Ohio State and Michigan can't both lose out because they play each other. Right. Um, but there's no chance that they make the Big Ten title game. I yeah. believe. Um, their best opportunity is New Year's Six, which they still can get. I just don't see them beating Rutgers by 20. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the move from the OC is going to do. Mike Yurcich mm-hmm. is now out as OC at, at Penn State. Uh, we were just talking uh, about Minnesota situation in like 17 or 18. They had a porous defense, and they, they let go of their D.C. Joe Rossi stepped in, and he's been the D.C. ever since. And there was an immediate week-to-week change of like this team – can't stop a nosebleed to you are not moving the ball against this defense I don't know how that works on the other side I think Penn State's going to play a little more inspired um I don't know Kyle Monaghan's status he left with an injury late against Iowa I, I'm Penn State's going to be PO'd and, and I'm going to take them to cover this is again me just trying to make up ground um but we'll see I, I maybe they maybe they let Aller let loose a little bit that's he's been kind of a guy who's been able to just kind of take jump off Dave if you will yeah just uh call four verts and see what you can do uh against Rutgers (laughs) Michigan State heads to Indiana the Hoosiers again just uh lost an OT shootout to Illinois uh they are four point favorites at home against Sparty boy uh Michigan State has lost what is this now seven of their last eight games Indiana's lost I think six of their last seven I think right now um, it's gotten ugly for both teams. Sean Bach today declared that Indiana was possibly the worst team in the Big Ten. Um, I don't know They've been competitive, though. Yeah, they were close with That's, Penn State. Again, it's, it's last so week. easy to look at scores and stats and wins-losses, which, again, is the only thing that matters. But there is so much more nuance in, into how competitive some of these teams are. Michigan State's right up there, too. I mean, yeah. Michigan State, when, when they play good football, everyone's best is very, very good, regardless of their... Yeah. I mean, I'd say this is the, the this game is between the two worst teams in the Big Ten. I would have said, and clumped in Purdue if they didn't bash Minnesota but last again, week. does Purdue scoring 50 in one game change their, st- you know, overall? You know, I don't know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. But those three are definitely, I think, the three that... Yeah. But again, like on the worst. watching Hudson Card against Iowa, it's like, and 
kid was a dog, being able to stay out and, and, and just pulling through everything. But you can see the playmaking ability. Like, boy, if, if yeah, Hudson gets protection and players. all that, and they've got Tyrone and, and everybody uh, running around. But, yeah, this, it's week to week. This is a tough one to pick. Um, but I think I like Indiana in that one, just being the home team. I think they could uh, their offense could, could do a little bit more than that. I'm going Indiana too. Just I, I I think Michigan State's a team on on quit watch, but <laughs> is that a new thing? <laughs> quit watch. Our new segment that we're starting week eleven of the season. Uh, I'll take uh, the Hoosiers to cover too. Tom Allen's boys. I, I think they're playing really good football, and um, yeah, I, I think at home they can do that. This is maybe the most surprising spread of the week to me. Purdue is a three point favorite hmm. at Northwestern, who just announced, or the reports are, that David Braun's the full time guy now. Yeah, that's what Pete Thamel said today. And he deserves uh, it. Yeah. Absolutely. With his job. Yeah, I'm going to go first, again, though, so uh, it doesn't look like I'm copying out. Owen every pick. <laughs> I like Northwestern to cover. I mean, if you're going to give me three points, that you said it was surprising. Put, um, put me down for that, too. All right. I'll take Northwestern plus uh, three. I, I, I pointed this out before the Iowa game, but l- let me just point out that the trend has held continually for Northwestern, where they. Their season has gone loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss to Iowa, win over Wisconsin. They're due for a loss, I guess. Got to take Purdue in this one. That's just, that's just you want playing, the points, though? Playing patterns. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, sure. What, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> <laughs> All right, those are the, that's the 11 a.m. games. We move to 3 p.m. on BTN. Minnesota, again, coming off just getting mollywopped by Purdue. They go to, uh, I used the word mollywop in 2023. I did. Uh, number two, Ohio State, Georgia jumped them in the playoff rankings there. The Buckeyes are a 27.5-point favorite at home. Can Minnesota bounce back, figure something out, and keep it within four touchdowns in Columbus? My short answer is no, unfortunately. Yeah, if you're going to get molly walked by uh, the <laughs> Boilermakers, I don't like your chances at the horseshoe. I'd, I'd be a little— It's a big spread, though. It's a big spread, and again, that that Minnesota, Tyler Newbin's is as good a safety as there is in in the Big Ten in the country. Um, but yeah, if it was in Minneapolis, I might go the other way. But we also saw what happened in Minnesota hosting Michigan, and um, this this could be a, a chance for Ohio State to maybe show that hey, we we still can be a number one team in the country, and. Uh, really starting to set the table ahead of Michigan next week. I mean, you don't want a letdown game, and they might be able to show off that this is not going to be a letdown. So, yeah, I'll take Buckeyes plus, uh, minus the points. I think I'll take Minnesota to keep it within four touchdowns. Um, we're all kind of assuming that the Big Ten West is, is Iowa's to lose. I mean, it is Iowa's to lose, but um, that Minnesota is going to go out there and just get, get molly walked. Molly walked? Wopped. You've never heard that term? You're older than me. I don't know Not what it means, much. but I've heard it before. <laughs> Five or six weeks. It but. seems like a word that maybe I've heard, but I don't... Uh, Mollywopped. Um, yeah, what's Urban Dictionary say about... Yeah, do I, I, do I, I want to know what Urban Dictionary has to say about Molly? I don't think it's dirty. <laughs> um, everything It's like the same boat race. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think that they uh, that they could keep it a little bit more competitive. Certainly not beat Ohio State, but I think they could keep it within three touchdowns. All right, we'll move to the uh, the 6 p.m., 6.30 game on NBC. Nebraska at Wisconsin. Badgers a five-point favorite over the Cornhuskers in Madison. This is an interesting spread to me. Wisconsin, I just, you don't know what you're going to get every week, you know? Mm-hmm. A little bit with Nebraska, too. Um, I've been going back and forth, but I think I'll just take the points. So I don't know if Nebraska wins. But I think they do keep it close. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to lean towards Wisconsin in this game. Um, I think if Nebraska loses, they have no shot at the Big Ten West title. That's right. Yeah, they'd be. You need to have four losses six, if so. Iowa loses out. Right. Yeah, so they'd be three and five. No. Yeah, three and five in mm-hmm. the Big Ten. Conference, yeah. So I, I think in they're in, playing for a bowl game too. They need one more win to qual. Um, be, well, a lot of these Big Ten West teams do. Every one of them except the Purdue. Seven, yeah. Yeah. They still have something else to play for next week against Iowa. But yeah, I think that in Camp Randall, I like Wisconsin by by a touchdown. I'll do the same. Yeah, um, I know there were a lot of questions and um, maybe some inner turmoil after losing to Northwestern last week, but uh, I think the Buckeyes right the ship. And now we turn to. Boy, this spread has probably changed or is about to change with uh, the Cooper news out there. But Illinois comes to Iowa City. Hawkeyes are now ranked 
16th in the CFP. They're unranked in the AP. There's a, there's a timeline where Iowa goes from unranked in the AP to Big Ten champion in two <laughs> weeks, which is wild. Because, again, if, if they beat Minnesota and a left arm doesn't move, they're 9-1. and one. They're probably, I would say, 13, maybe over, Purdue, or over Penn State, too, because they'd only have one yeah, loss. Yeah, maybe. Would, and they'd be two, like... Two Penn State, though. 20, be, but still, but and Penn State would have two losses, and they'd true. be the number two and number three teams. Um, again, other timeline. Just it's just wild. They're 16th in the yeah, CFP and crazy. not ranked. Um, again, they were listed as a three-point favorite. Still three on DraftKings. Four. So hasn't been pulled down. I'm gonna hasn't moved yet. All right, I'm gonna let you guys uh, fill time for me. I'm gonna check FanDuel and see. Well, what this is still like I, is. even with Iowa and their status with with a couple wins and. Since we've talked like the past two or three weeks, my stance hasn't changed. Like they could lose every single game on the schedule. I oh, still yeah. think they could lose this week. They could lose at Nebraska, unless their offense can move, can move the ball like they did in that fourth quarter. And that's the big question for me. And I'm just not going to trust that until I see it multiple weeks. Mm-hmm. And I still think Iowa could win, but close, like kind of like Minnesota did it in Kinnick. Mm-hmm. I'll take Illinois in the points in this one. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel confident either way. I don't like I don't like betting on Iowa because I'm usually wrong about it. So if I'm going to be wrong about it, then I'll pick Illinois. What's the spread on DraftKings? Minus three. Is it minus three? So it's it's uh, Iowa pl- minus three and a half on on FanDuel. Okay. Would Would you um, say that like a, a defensive player missing would would adjust the spread all that much? I mean, we know the impact that it makes, but would that really? I think it? Vegas knows how yeah. how. Integral he is to the folks out there that that know how everything works. I I would say, what is his impact in terms of points? A point? You could argue it's it's worth more than that. Sure. With his special teams play. Is there war for college football? uh, (laughs) Who's his immediate replacement? Is is Hall his backup? I I mean, imagine they. I would imagine Lee plays, don't you? Yeah, it was was Lee Lee. on the depth chart this week. Oh, was it? I I haven't checked the depth chart, but. I couldn't remember who was on left corner, right corner. And Those depth charts, like, halftime, they don't hey, mean anything. Hey, say that earlier in the show. You might. Yeah, <laughs> we, we talked about it. I wasn't sure who who was back up on either side. Um, and again, I think Hilson was in there, too. I think too. H- Hilson backs up. Do you see Castro at all move to CB? Yeah. Again, That's I mean, an he interesting was, proposition. I mean, he was, he was playing a lot more cash. If in you're this, getting your the, top four defensive backs on the field, you do that. But I've seen Castro more often than not spell X- then play. He's played a lot he's more played, safety. He's played yeah. slot corner, obviously, in that yeah. third cash player. You probably wrote it. The good, if you want to take any, the glass half full is okay. You've got it happens sometime today. Let's assume you've got tomorrow and you've got Friday to kind of figure things out and what your what your approach is going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of a rotation between like getting Seb in there and having him do some stuff and getting. Deshaun in there. Well, actually, I was listening to Talk Talk last week on Wednesday night, which I'm sure is going to be really watched tonight. There's been like three straight weeks where it's like, okay, like what are we going to? What was that first week that was such a big deal? Um, attention to Brian. It's Brian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the so, decision on Brian. Then last week was Noah. This week's going to be Cooper. So last week he he mentioned that they actually changed their schedule on twenty the, the year they went four and eight. Was that 2014 or 2012? 2012, they went four and eight, but yeah, right. they, that That's was a the big they deal. Going, going into 2015, they started practicing in the mornings. Yeah. yeah, and they don't practice on Thursdays. Okay, so they don't have work tomorrow. That he says they give them Thursdays off. They practice on Mondays now. Yeah, At least this is That's what Kirk right. said on to Dolph. Jay, uh, Jay Neiman just said that today too. Of just yeah. like the quick turnaround of like spending all day Sunday going through film. He was asked about like watching his kids in the NFL and just like don't have a lot of time because Monday sneaks up on you really quick for that morning morning practice. Yeah. He but, says they're yeah. fresher in the game, but like does that have any impact where if it happened today or yesterday since he wasn't at media availability? Yeah. Like, Walk through it, on Friday come, becomes a heck of a lot more yeah. important trying yeah. to figure things out. I, I, it had kind of stru- struck me as strange that he wasn't at media day yesterday and so I, I wonder if it didn't happen earlier in the week compared to today. I asked I Quinn asking. a question about Cooper because I, I put it out on, on social media and it, it got a bunch of traction. The fact that Cooper has zero reaction anytime he makes a big play. But when it, if it's Max White getting a touchdown or Quinn getting an interception or uh, Jeremiah Pittman had a fumble recovery against Western Michigan, Cooper is just like beaming from ear to ear. He's so happy and so excited. Um, so I asked Quinn about like, just like, so he's not Terminator? Like he shows emotion and he, and he answered and like didn't seem to be, you know, thrown by a question about Cooper or anything mm-hmm. like that. Not that I'm a body language expert or reaction expert, but... Um, yeah, I, I 
I don't know when it happened, but I, I just took it his absence yesterday of just being like, okay, like we're just trying to get all the seniors out there, and then here's Deacon since he's the quarterback coming yeah. off a good game. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, well, I guess I'm, we got sidetracked there. Yeah. Also, I'll take Iowa to cover. I, I think. I think next man in has worked out. Oh, did I not make my pick for that game? Fair, no, we haven't. We, we, we went off on tangents. We've been going for seventy minutes. This is the longest pod we've had. Uh, I'll take Iowa to cover. I think next man in has worked pretty well for Iowa so mm-hmm. far, and uh, we'll see if it works this year. Again, this is a very different situation than losing Cooper mid-game. Everybody who helped out there has has gotten some experience. Yeah, I I do like Iowa's defense uh, to to play well against whatever Michigan ha- or uh, Illinois has in the backfield at quarterback. Um, I think that as much as this will hurt the defense, I think that they have guys that can step in and play well for them. So I do like Iowa to win. Maybe even another uh, double, uh, two-score two score win again for Iowa. We've been waiting to see if Caden Weijin can make a, another big play in special teams. Hey, by default, he might get an opportunity here. I would imagine he's, uh, he's your dude to go back and, and start fielding punts. So we will see if Iowa can get it done without Cooper DeGene and clinch another trip to Indianapolis and win another Big Ten West title, their second in three years. Again, Kirk Ferentz on Hawk Talk tonight on the Iowa Hawkeyes YouTube channel. We'll go ahead and plug that, as well as the Iowa's News Now YouTube channel and Iowa's News Now on Instagram. Follow those for clips of the show throughout the week and, of course, Eye on the Hawks on Twitter. We'll be back here Sunday reacting to everything, hopefully some good news, and we'll have... We're gonna have so much Cooper Gene injury B-roll. My goodness, You're, if that's incentive to, to log in and watch live on Sunday. Uh, we'll see what happens. Next man in, always a mantra, even more so in 2023. We'll see you on Sunday on Iron Hawks.